Hey everyone, this is your host, Jake Hirschman. Thanks for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast. We are excited to bring you Suja Organic as our sponsor for today's episode. If you go to shop.sujajuice.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll be able to receive 15% off their packages. Excited to have Suja on board and thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with Gerald Jones. This is part of the Next Up Partners partnership. Uh, Gerald is on the sponsorship sales and strategy side with Next Up and looking forward to talking to him about his experiences in both the sports and the entertainment side of the industry. I think we can all learn a lot from what Gerald's done um, through Feld Entertainment, Learfield, minor league baseball, some of his other experiences, we'll dive into it. Um, Gerald, welcome to the podcast. Good to see you, my friend. Spring training's in the air. Um, for those that are up north and so forth, I'm sure you're, you're wishing for warmer temperatures. Always good to, to talk with you, although I know you're, you're in a warmer temp climate yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, when you think about the sports and entertainment world, right, um, we'll get to what you're doing with 5G sports and entertainment, but sports and entertainment, there's a difference between the entertainment side and the sports side. Uh, can you kind of explain the two differences and what you've been able to do throughout your career in terms of, um, you know, going from one side to the other? Yeah, I, I would say the, the biggest thing is just making sure as a, as a steward with a fiduciary responsibility of driving revenue, for any property for that matter, it's really about how the brand is viewed in the eyes of brand stewards, right? Or agency agencies, right? That, that are also brand stewards. So there's a little more work to be done behind the scenes to elevate brands to a point where, oh, this does make sense and it does reach my target audience and so forth. Whereas if you're with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you're selling locally in Tampa Bay, there's not a lot that needs to be done. The phone call generally comes back sooner on average than you would if you're with a family entertainment property. Not to say that one's more valuable than the other, but the biggest fundamental difference is there's kind of the pre-work that needs to be done at setting the stage of this is who we are, this is where we play, and this is who we represent, so to speak, from an IP standpoint. So that intellectual property word really comes into play in terms of the perceived value um, with entertainment. So Live Nation, for instance, is another example. Feld Entertainment, whom I used to work for, you know, one of my current clients is Kilburn Live. You know, they all have to work a little harder because it doesn't come as naturally as it would with the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, New York Giants, Pittsburgh Steelers, and so forth. So in market, it's a little easier. I think the other thing, fundamental difference is most entertainment, uh, most entertainment is more national than it is hyper-local and or regional. So those are the two fundamental differences that I would, I would suggest are, are the lines of delineation. Yeah, and that education component is so important, right? And so you even think about, you know, how that, that education component still exists on the sports side if you're a new minor league baseball property or you're, you know, in a region that maybe just isn't as sports heavy as others, right? And you've got to educate about hey, this is who we are, this is what we're trying to do. And it's not just selling spots and dots, right? It's, it's truly trying to create a community. But back to your point about national for, you know, the entertainment side, 
how do you leverage the community component if it is that kind of nat national, um, you know, moving moving city to city type of you know entertainment? Well, in most cases, you rely on your uh, you know every national entity has some sort of hyper local or regional presence and or influence, right? So at Felt Entertainment, in most venues, they were the they were the second tenant, right? So you'd have a primary tenant usually. You know, if you have Madison Square Garden, it's the Knicks and the Rangers. And then Felt Entertainment was probably the, the next one with the most dates, right? Not any concert crew or Live Nation or anybody else. It literally was Felt Entertainment because of the number of events that they ran in. So usually you rely on folks that are hyper-local kind of help you with that and find ways to engage the community through media, social, um, paid and unpaid, um, all those, those acronyms and terminologies that are really popular today. Um, but that's really how it's done. Um, you have to really rely on those folks and or if you're dealing with a partner or a prospective partner that you know would have interest in you're almost mimicking and, 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 and driving that into uh, the assets and the opportunities that exist with that, that family entertainment brand. So nothing's impossible per se, um, but it does take a little more effort than it would be if you were dealing with a hyper local team that's really popular in a region. Absolutely. And, and from a sponsorship sales perspective, the value proposition, right, is is a little bit different in that it might be a different audience. One thousand percent. You know, most most entertainment properties, um, specifically on the family side, there's a hey, they're after the moms, right? The moms are trying to to attack. Now, I will say this in fairness: if you ask most CMOs, not in hockey and not in the NFL, specifically in baseball. And I would also say in, in probably basketball as well, soccer, the moms are still driving the force. What are we doing today? When's the game, et cetera? What time is it? It's a way to get the family out and do some things together, right? So in most cases, that is the case. I know in baseball, it was very popular. Hey, Sunday kids day and Saturday night and, and even Tuesday night in the summer months when kids are out of school, that was the popular uh, pathway to get butts and seats was through the mom. So a lot of the, a lot of the digital and social and messaging on linear television and radio was really targeted at moms to try and get them that, to decide, let's bring the family down to a game. Um, there's this promotion or there's that promotion or there's this BOGO, whatever it may be. Very similarly in family entertainment, they are the target market. Uh, you know, so uh, most everything is geared towards moms, um, ages 25 to 49 with kids ages two to, to 10 in most cases. So um, very similar target audience. So there's a shift and there's some commonality there. When you get to the NFL and hockey, it's just a little bit different. The price points are different and so on. Um, and so there's a little bit more involved in, in those. And those are once a week kind of things. Whereas I think you can you can probably get away with, with a little bit more um, with less at a, at a lower price point to get an entire family to attend a uh, family entertainment group. Sure. And, and compare your experience from the Learfield world where, you know, you, you kind of got your etched out assets, right? Like this is what you have at the property to minor league baseball, where you've got multiple teams across, you know, the entire country, you know, different ways in which you might be able to activate the entertainment side where there there's probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but more creativity than, than most. Um, what are the biggest differences in terms of being able to be creative on the sponsorship side 
in that event space, knowing that it's a different type of event? Well, the model of minor league baseball certainly um, welcomes creativity, right? So there's not a strong um, media uh, component to to most properties across the minor league baseball landscape. With you know, at the then 160 teams, now 120 teams, uh, we need to be creative because we also didn't want to take away assets that the local teams could drive some serious revenue or for their relative scale, their revenue. Um, so there were more fixed assets at the collegiate level because most of them, as you know, you referenced Learfield, IMG, WME, whatever acronym you want to say, whatever, whoever the MMR company is. What really happens is you have fixed assets that are etched in stone in the contract. And you can go above and beyond that, but it's, it's, it's a lot harder. Um, most schools are still relatively conservative um, and take a more conservative approach because they already have a certain dollar amount budgeted fixed in. So they really don't have to do a lot of movement and be ultra creative. There are some schools though, that will work really closely with their MMR uh, partner, uh, multimedia rights partner that is, um, to try and come up with ways to bring a new partner in in specific categories. And, or if there's a heightened project, i.e. naming of a club, naming of an arena, um, you've seen it with Fox and, and uh, the LA Coliseum. Those are projects that you really have to work, uh, lock and step in and really have a, a true partnership on. So they're very complex and they require a lot more creativity than the normal. We're gonna put a, 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 a brand on the LED board. Um, that's very simplistic um, and, and doesn't take a whole lot of uh, head scratching. But most places though, there's, there's, there's just simply assets that are that are defined in contracts and so forth. And they really like to stick to that unless there's something big to kind of work on together. Yeah, no doubt. And, and kind of where you've been able to transition through your career, you know, from, from one part of the industry to another and, you know, back and forth, we, we kind of joke sometimes, you, you know, you mentioned kind of the, the Northeast area and Pittsburgh back down to Tampa, back to Pittsburgh, back to Tampa. So you, you got kind of your two spots. Um, what's right. the biggest thing that you've learned going from different parts of the industry to another in that sometimes people kind of take that linear route where they're, you know, in an organization or inner sport and they, you know, kind of move up or move, move in departments, but you've, I mean, you've really been able to kind of, um, shift through different parts of the industry with relevant experience. No doubt. I'm very fortunate, blessed, whatever terminology you want to use, um, you know, and I've lived in two great markets, you know, it doesn't get any better than, than Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Two of my three children were born there. You know, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're near and dear to my heart, as you can see, it's the first day of spring training here in Bradenton as we sit here today, the timing of this recording. Um, and then what can you say about Champa Bay um, and all the great successes that have happened here? Uh, oh man, it's people wonder if Blake Snell hadn't been taken out of the game, what would happen if we'd have three champions here in the Tampa Bay region? Um, but no, you know, that was just the way that was the path for me um, to end up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, never living north of the Mason Dixon line, come out of graduate school at Southern Mississippi um, was, was a blessing in and of itself. I would tell you, uh, there's so many great people up there. It is a true devout sports town, the Steelers, the Penguins, and and the Pirates, um, you know, PNC Park is probably the best ballpark in the country. Um, you know, the Steelers and their six 
world titles and obviously the Penguins have done some work on the ice as well uh, winning Stanley Cups uh, it seems like every decade now so um, my first foray in the hockey <clears throat> was just <clears throat> watching Mario Lemieux at the old Civic Arena there in Pittsburgh and then to come to Tampa and and really work with uh, you know some some great folks at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at a brand new state-of-the-art one-buck place venue and with a brand that really um, is the number one brand in Tampa as, as we sit here today, but the Lightning do a great job. And, and also I would say all the spring training and stuff that goes on here, Tampa Bay Rays, um, the golf and everything else, just a great area for sports here in Tampa Bay as well. So, um, you know, strategically, I'm in a good spot. Um, the concessions right down the road, obviously they're hosting a, a WGC in place of, you know, the, the pandemic uh, stricken uh, over to Mexico with, with, with travel. So. Um, this is this is the place to be. You know, for me too, I think Feld Entertainment fits right in there. They moved from Washington, D.C. back in 2013. There's a reason they got here. Um, you know, they're the, one of the leaders in, 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 uh, in live family entertainment. Uh, Kilburn Live, certainly one of those as well, growing out of, out of the L.A. office that I'm, I'm working on now here remotely. But, you know, there's some great opportunities. I think Feld Entertainment was my first foray in the national sales, which parlayed into uh, my experience with minor league baseball. So I just want to learn, you know, my, my thing is you, you don't know it all um, and you want to do something different, not to say they get bored, um, but you want to do something a little different all the time. And some opportunities just come that kind of elevated my, my, uh, my resume, my CV along the way. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. And then now obviously with next up with next up partners and to be assembled a part of an assembly with so many great talented professionals that have been in this thing for, for 15 plus years and really just, I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at. Yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned kind of the ability to be in national sales versus, you know, the regional or the, or the, you know, the hyper local, depending on the property. I think that's a, a really interesting and distinct, you know, difference in the sales world, right? There's um, the national sales is a totally different ball game and it's, and it's a different type of skill set, right. As opposed to selling local and regionally for, pro, you know, property. And, now that you're kind of in the position that you're in too, you're able to go and do these different projects, right? For, you know, different teams, different properties, um, essentially as, as an agency. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one that probably exposes you to a ton of different aspects of the sports and entertainment industry that you either were or weren't exposed to prior. Um, but there's got to be some challenges with that along the way. Maybe, you know, the education component, whatever the case might be. Um, what are some of the things that, that are harder to do on your own in terms of working with these projects and, and diving into a lot? Um, but then maybe kind of the, the pros and the cons, right? You know, that's a great question. You know, I, I would say um, you're reliant on others um in a, in a different way so you can't walk down the hall and and say hey how's it going today da, 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 and i need x y and z I, you know it's a little tougher to do remotely now we're all going through that a little bit because of, of we're in the middle of a pandemic and most most folks are not in an office setting as we sit here today um but communication just becomes a little different you know you're working with somebody at take quarter in los angeles as i referenced earlier that's different than me walking down the hall and, and dealing with somebody I think minor league baseball experience probably prepared me the most, um, you know, working with some great leadership there, you know, your relationships with agencies really matter um, more than they would probably at a 
at a at a working for a team directly, um, or in this case for film entertainment directly. So, um, in my world of of cultivating relationships with folks and and obviously pitching brands and um, and properties and so forth, all collective, you know, relationships really matter in the industry. And so I think the takeaway from minor league baseball was that, Hey, you're dealing with multiple properties. So there's kind of like an internal sales job and then there's the external sales job um, and so forth. So fundamentally a lot of it hasn't changed. Um, It's just a matter of being organized um, and being attentive to your client's needs. Right. And when they're asking for a report on X, Y, and Z and where we are with this company and this company, you know, they, they need to know that for a variety of reasons, whether it be naming rights with FC Cincinnati or whether it be, um, an entitlement partner with with Kilmer Live or dealing with FIBA or any of the others that I'm currently working on. It's it's a you know you just have to maintain that communication aspect, whether it be email or whether it be setting up times to to do a Zoom call like we're on now. Yeah, it's interesting. It's and it's um it's a way in which you're seeing a lot of people move in the industry towards is is outsourcing a little bit, right? To to do these special type projects where you're not going to be working on like once you're once you're done six months later it, that might be it right but you're able to kind of um, come in and help them as a, as a third set of eyes with a different perspective maybe you know sometimes outside the walls can help right a little bit to, to see things a little bit differently on how you might approach it you you know you mentioned being in Tampa and being in Pittsburgh because you've been able to spend a bunch of time in those two areas you know you might have your connections or perspective on that area that might help a little bit more than someone else, right? And so I think it's it's that kind of world is really interesting in terms of the outsourcing component of a naming rights deal or something of that sort. Um, what's the biggest challenge in finding in going in and representing someone else um, and, and going and finding that partner? Yeah, I mean the the, the challenge is really it's no different than if you're with an organization specifically as we sit here today, because everyone's going through the same thing. Um, You know, the PGA tour is going through it. Um, Those discussions that hadn't started prior to the pandemic started, started, you know, starting was there's a challenge in and of itself because folks are, you know, brands are holding on to dollars and trying to see exactly what's going on in the world. Right. And what their consumer um, practices will be. Uh, for their target demographic and so on. You know, in the CPG world, food service is down, but groceries up. You need to know that, right? You need to know that before you prep for a call uh, when you approach a brand and so forth. So the challenges to me, actually, they're, they're all the same with one exception is we're all kind of in a little a little bit of a holding pattern um, due to the pandemic, um, if that makes sense to you. So the, 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 there's always going to be a challenge um, no matter what. So, you know, as... as Carlos Castro with, with Walt Disney who handles all their partnerships said, listen, we're Disney World, one of the most popular brands on the face of the earth, but no one's calling us saying we want to sponsor Disney. So there's still the same homework that needs to be done. There's still the same grind to some degree that needs to be done. You can lessen the grind a little bit if you got good relationships with folks and you can state your case. Um, but there's work to be done. There's follow-up and, 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 and research and everything needs to be back with ROI in this day and age. So all of us have the same challenge. The other thing I, I mentioned too, Jake, I think, you know, and you referenced it earlier is the networking of folks that are out there that are in a similar scenario or have chosen a similar path that I have, at least for, for now, 
and that you may even have a full-time job, but you can still do consulting on, on, on the back end with some different things. But, you know, you're as strong as the network around you. And I'm very fortunate with that, with not only with the Next Step Partner scenario, but <clears throat> other partners that are kind of attached to 5G Sports and Entertainment. Um, and then also with folks that you work with in the past. So that network never goes away. If you're, if you're a good person and you work hard and you look out for other folks as well as, you know, them looking out for you, there, there's just over, over time, what, what ends up happening is, is you can always call on somebody that knows person X or knows person Y or did a deal with so-and-so uh, to get information. So it doesn't always happen that way, but if you really research and dive in a little bit, um, there's always that opportunity there. So if you use those assets, it kind of lessens the challenge um, to make it a little bit more of a smoother path. We're all going through the same challenges though, no matter who, if you're with a brand or, or if you're um, you know, a, a small boutique, sports and entertainment um, uh, agency like 5G Sports and Entertainment. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head, though, regardless, it's relationships matter, right? And I think that's a huge component of it. And, um, you know, look, I think there's plenty of nuances about the sponsorship sales part of the part of the industry, and that's going to continue to evolve and change. But if you were to go back to your shoes at Southern Miss and tell yourself one thing, what would it have been? We're not going back that far. Don't worry. Well, we're going back far enough. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had some great advice. I had some great, I had a really good professor there, uh, Dr. Dennis Phillips. Um, that's my guy. And, you know, he told me at one point I wanted to get into coaching. So it's a little bit different. He said, you know, you can coach your kids, but you're too talented to do to, to, to really stay on the road and, and not be with your family as much. You're, you're a good guy, this, that, and the other. So you can you should consider just life in the front office, for lack of a better way of saying it, right? Um, and I would also say, you know, that was the best advice I had. But but I would also say, you know, never get too high and never get too low, right? There's no reason to, to elevate your heart rate and more it needs to be, and, and no reason to be so down in the doldrums that you, you just, you know, stay even keel because, you know, you work hard, you know, Jake, you're a great networker, you network, um, and you can do all those things and, and, and find what your niche is too. I think that's the other thing is. So not everybody finds that immediately. Sometimes it's an evolution. And there's so many opportunities in sport and entertainment that there's a fit for almost everybody. You know, now you look at esports and e-gaming and, um, and sports betting and, and so forth. We continue to expand and, and evolve in this industry. So um, we didn't have those opportunities in 19 something um, towards the end of the last century. I, I'll just leave it at that. So, you know, and there's more coming. I can't tell you what, what that next thing is, right? But there's more coming. There's another evolution of this thing coming. Um, and coming out of COVID-19, we learned a lot. We've learned a lot with technology, how to use it, how to, how to, how to maintain relationships and teams and, and all these other platforms. And there's, there's, there's so much out there, you know, um, NIL, um, there, there's, there's, there's just, you just don't know what the next thing is. So like the, the younger generation, if you stay astute to it, one of these avenues is yours and it's yours to own and be innovative and creative and, uh, and make your mark in this, in this landscape. Great, great words of wisdom, Gerald. And, and I think, um, you know, as we wrap up, I, I love to do the rapid fire session at the end. So we're gonna, we're gonna throw a few curveballs, for lack of better terms your way. Um, best minor league ballpark you've been to 
Whoa, uh, best minor league ballpark I've been to. Um, I would have to say the one that's that's combined with the University of Oregon and the and, and Eugene. Um, that one was a dandy. The one in El Paso is pretty sweet too, though. Um, there's there's a lot there's a lot that's so you put me on the spot there and that's not fair. So I'm gonna sit back and hit it the other way since you're throwing curveballs. I'm also a homer too. So the old McKechnie Field now Lee Con Park here in Bradenton, it offers that same charm that you can get back in 1926. So as a baseball purist, I still shade towards some of those. But then um, I'd also say West Palm, um, home of the Astros and so forth, um, spring training home and had the Florida State League teams um, with the Nationals and the Astros. Those, you know, some of these new parks are just unreal. But um, I don't know if I'm going to give you one. The Lee Con Park here in Bradenton. I, I didn't expect you to just give me one, so it's okay. But yeah, exactly. Do, so Lee Con Park. I do expect one answer on this one though, because there's plenty of logos out there. You name it, New Orleans baby cakes. I mean, there's all sorts of different fun logos and names in minor league baseball. What was the one that you're like, wow, that's amazing. That fits. That's the best logo there is. Well, baby cakes is well, baby cakes is on that one. Um, and if I went old school, I'd go to my hometown Savannah Sand Nats. Oh, there you go. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go back to your Feld Entertainment days. Best show that you were able to be a part of. You know, um, it's always fun when you build something from this from scratch. And, and I would say, believe it or not, Sesame Street Live, even though there was another company that had it before us, that first one, you know, when you even put a national partner on it, it makes it even sweeter. Um, but that one was, 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 was sweet. I, I would say during the interview process, my first experience at, at Monster Energy Supercross, it enlightened you, right? The noise, the sound, it's a niche sport and the amount of people that pile into a, um, to, to Angel Stadium to see that three times in a three-week period is absolutely unreal. So, And then Monster Jam also grabs your attention, too. So I don't know if I can pick one of those either, man. That's, that's tough because, you know, that whole lineage, they attract different folks, but to see kids really – the faces on kids says it all. I can go back to Ringling Brothers, too, uh, with the circus. Um, the kid the, – the, when you look at a kid's face – just walking down the aisles and so forth that says it all so i don't know that i can can, can say one there because they all kind of enlighten and provide experiences for people that you just you know you just stand back and go wow that kid's really excited about this so by the time we're we do. this i'm gonna make you pick one all right so you've got here here's, here's the next two questions you've got to be in a soup monster truck or you get to be on the actual dirt bike being part of supercross which one are you doing oh monster truck Okay. All right. Yeah. No question about it. Did now, I answer that fast enough? Yes. That was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> now Sesame street live. You got to pick a character. You either got cookie monster. You got big bird. I'm going to forget a few, but you know it better than I do. So who are you going to be? I'm the count. Oh, I like that one. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. Last one for you. Pittsburgh or Tampa. Oh, you're not going to get one answer on this one. Eight months out of the year, right <laughs> where I sit in Bradenton, Florida, 
I'll, you know, Tampa Bay region, and then those other three months, four months, excuse me, I want to be in, in, in Greater Pittsburgh. The weather is off. That's fair. Months, That's fair. Um, and so forth. Um, but, you know, hey, listen, most people reverse that, and they want to be down here for, for three months and so forth. My wife and I have always said, man, if we had all the money in the world, then we do, you know, we do eight, four. Fair split. It's fair, fair split. Is that a fair answer? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Gerald, really appreciate uh, your time, perspectives, insights on, you know, your experiences, the difference in, in you know, the sports and entertainment world. Um, really appreciate you kind of putting to, putting together this Next Up Partners partnership and looking forward to the rest of the episodes. Jake, you've been great. Everyone knows you're a rising star in the industry, and I look forward to talking with you sometime soon. Thanks again for listening to the Life in the Front Office podcast. Remember, today's episode was brought to you by Suja Organic. If you go to shop.sujajuice.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll be able to receive 15% off of their packages. Excited to have Suja on board for the month of April. And again, thanks for listening and stay tuned for next episode.